right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13 this morning for a few hours, I mean minutes, and we'll uh, preach a very straightforward message. You know what I love about uh, preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter? Nobody can accuse me of trying to jump somebody with a message. Amen? So all y'all look like y'all being jumped, just relax. Amen? It's God. Amen? Good to see some old friends from Tennessee, and good to see all of you here to honor a, a young lady that's getting baptized. That's, that's respectable. Amen? That's better than a three-pointer, better than a touchdown, better than straight A's. Amen? Now, I think you ought to do all that, but uh, thank God for doing something for the Lord. Amen? And tonight I'm going to be preaching on... Um, it's all right sometimes to get hurt. It's all right to get hurt. And I want you to come uh, tonight and we'll, we'll uh, sort of back up and, and uh, touch these verses last Sunday night. Just didn't feel like I preached all that I needed to preach out of those. But uh, we're going to be in verse um, 14 of chapter 13 of Mark. Good to have each one of you here. And love preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, as I said, because it, it just lays where it lays. Amen. We're going to try to have a deacon's meeting at 4.30. I'm having a little health issues this morning, so pray for me. It's probably because of the message I'm going to preach. The devil's trying to stop me from preaching it, but we're going to try to get through it. And um, if I have to leave suddenly, I'll just turn it over to Brother Jason. He'll preach the rest of it, amen, and that'll be fine. I appreciate uh, y'all praying for my daughter. She made it safe and sound to uh, South Africa to visit my other daughter. And uh, now Trent's leaving with a group of uh, teenagers, um, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so I wish you'd pray for them. It's a long trip to South Africa. I think it's about 34 hours to get there total with all the layovers and everything. Appreciate Miss Corley coming back uh, for uh, help the family. And uh, we just appreciate Brother Kevin so much. He's our missionary, uh, class missionary of the glory class. Amen. And so we try to do a little extra for our, our missionary uh, as a class. Amen. So pray for Pray for Brother Kevin back at Grace. I know he misses his wife greatly. If my wife's not around, I feel sort of out of sorts. Amen. I like to have her approval, even though I don't preach for her approval. Amen. She goes to sleep, I get real upset. Amen. I don't think she's ever went to sleep that I know of, but she probably should because I've preached some message about 28 times on the road, and uh, she just sits there like she's never heard it before. So thank God for a uh, wife that is encouraging. Amen. Acts chapter, I mean Mark chapter 13, and I'm going to preach through the whole book of Revelation in 30 minutes. And so uh, hold on to your seats, buckle up, and the turbulence will get a little rough, so you might want to buckle up a little bit, but it's straight from the Word of God. And I'm so encouraged that uh, ready or not, the Lord's coming, and I'm going with Him. Amen. And the anchor holds. Amen. What a great song. And the anchor's in Jesus Christ in heaven, not in politics, not in Hollywood. Not in some man, not in some preacher, not in some pope, potentate, or anybody else. Our anchor is, is stable because it's in the forerunner, Hebrews chapter 6, 18 through the end of the chapter, Jesus Christ already entered in. Amen. Death, burial, and resurrection will anchor you. Amen. All right, let's stand on the Word of God. Everybody stand that can, and we salute the flag, we can salute the Bible. Amen. The Bible says in verse 14, it's in chapter 13 of Mark. You with me? Say amen. It says, but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let him that be, uh, that be in Judah flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetops 
not go down into the house, neither entered therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again to take up the garments. But woe to them that are a child and to them that give suck to those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall the affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation uh, which God created in this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh shall be saved but for the elect's sake. Whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. And then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it, if it were possible, even the elect or the saved. And take, listen to this, But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. We've been studying for the last two months, the last week of Jesus' life. And it's about Wednesday now, and he's sitting in the temple, and he starts describing what's going to happen in the future for these disciples and for us. And I'd like to entitle the message this morning, The Terror of the Great Tribulation, or Horrors Are on the Horizon. I believe the Lord's coming any minute. If you're left behind, you will experience Revelation 6 through 18, which is the great tribulation. Please don't be here. Don't be left behind. You may be seated as I pray. Father, use this message. Please give me health and strength to preach this message. Sometimes I feel like preaching and sometimes I don't feel like preaching. As I'm sure that some people feel like listening and some people don't feel like listening. But God, this is essential. This is very important because, Lord, I believe we're in the very last days before the rapture of the church, and Lord, then the tribulation is going to break out on this earth, and it'll be too late to be saved. It'll be too late to get a burden for the laws. It'll be too late to get right with God. So Lord, help us to live each day as if it's our last, and we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. Be with Brother Henderson in the hospital. I pray, dear God, you just watch over him, and God, we just thank you for the ability and strength and an unction to preach this morning in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Now, folks, we need to see that the last week of Jesus' life, he's on the way to the cross, and he's going to give his life a ransom. In other words, he's going to take your hell so you don't have to go there. He's going to take your tribulation so you want to stay there. The tribulation period is the waiting room to hell. If you've heard the gospel before, uh, you've heard the gospel before, uh, uh, the rapture, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you will not get saved. You might think you can get saved on your terms and when you get good and ready, but I want to tell you something, friend. You need to get saved when Jesus calls and when Jesus convicts, the road to hell and the road to tribulation is paved with good intentions. He's on the way to the cross to give his life as a ransom, a payment. There's a sin debt we can never pay. Jesus paid it all, amen, because he's the perfect Lamb of God. And so in chapter 13, this is called the Olivet Discourse. And we've already seen the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, verses 1 through 8. Wars and rumors of war, natural disasters, earthquakes in diverse places, many false prophets and cults. You, you ride down Doug Gap Road and it'll be a fulfillment of that. There's cult, cult alleys, what I'm going to call it. Every cult in the book. Preaching works save you. Folks, there's no work that'll save you except the work of the finished cross. So I want to give you three things this morning quickly. I want you to see the warning 
of a sign. I want you to see the warning of sorrows. Then I want you to see the warning of seductions. And first of all, I want you to see the warnings in verses 14 through 18 of, uh, of the tribulation. That's a seven-year period of after the rapture. The first three and a half years is going to be great, and it's going to be wonderful. But then verse 14 tells us something's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. It says, and when ye shall see the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel. Don't you love it when the Lord Jesus Christ refers back to the Old Testament? Some people don't believe in the Old Testament. Jesus did. That's all he had at that time, amen. The New Testament was being written. But folks, I want to tell you something. All through the Old Testament, from Genesis uh, to Malachi, you'll see Jesus, you'll see God, and you'll see prophecy that came true exactly to the minute detail uh, when Jesus fulfilled it in his life, his death, his burial, and praise God, his soon coming. If he came the first time with all the predictions, don't you think he's going to come the second time with all the predictions? Over 360 times, uh, the Lord predicted his soon return in the book of uh, in the New Testament. So he's coming, and the tribulation is also the time of, of uh, Jacob's trouble. Uh, not only is it punishment for all Christ's rejectors, you be left behind. It won't be his fault. It'll be your fault because many times God's given you warnings. Say amen. God's given you a sermon. God's given you a radio program. God's given you America where you've heard the gospel over and over and over again. And so, folks, Jeremiah 30, verse 7 says it'll be the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time when God will pour out his wrath on all the Christ-rejecting world. And, folks, God loves you. And God has given all of us an opportunity. And so don't blame God and shake your little fist at God. That's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, realize that God loves you and God has given you many opportunities. And the goodness of God should draw you to repentance. You're getting up this morning, you ought to thank God for health and strength to get up. Uh, you, you'll be able to understand this message. I hope you can understand it. Uh, I hope you'll understand that's a gift from God, a thought, a, a, a step, a moment of health. Every heartbeat is an individual blessing from God. Amen. And we take it for granted, say amen. amen. We take for granted that God's given us one more heartbeat. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you go to the hospital and you see that little old uh, meter bump, 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 you know, and you hear that, uh, that is a gift from God, say amen. Right. I'll never forget the time I ate clam chowder witnessing to Charles Cofield at the Howard Johnson's in Rocky Face, Georgia. And I had an allergic reaction uh, to clam chowder, amen. My wife's been trying to feed that to me ever since I got that big life insurance policy, but I ain't ate it. But uh, you know, that was many years ago, many, many years ago. And I remember uh, I stopped breathing and my lungs filled up with fluid and I went to the doctor's office and said, get him over the emergency room. Went over the emergency room and they, they uh, uh, put some adrenaline in my arm or something in my arm in the hospital parking lot because uh, they heard we were coming. And then I got there and they put all those monitors on me and I looked and all those monitors were showing my heartbeat. And I thought, my goodness, clam chowder did all this? And uh, I tell you what, friend, when my wife walked in the emergency room, she said, I told you you was going to have a heart attack if you didn't slow up. I said, it's not a heart attack, honey. It's clam chowder. Praise God. <laughs> and I want to tell you something. Every heartbeat is a blessing. Every heartbeat. And one day, folks, the rapture is going to take place. The trump of God will... Sound, the dead in Christ will rise first. We will alive and remain in Christ, not in just religion. 
will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. And, and folks, and then there'll be a beautiful time of peace and uh, one world peace and all kinds of things because this great leader is going to rise up. But then right in the middle of it, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, read it later, we see that um, there's abomination of desolation. And folks, what's going to happen is that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it says that he's going to rise up, take over the temple, and start sacrificing pigs on the altar, and an abomination, and say, I am God. And he's the Antichrist. He's not the God. He's not God at all. The Lord's coming in three and a half more years. But right in the middle of all that uh, peace and joy and purpose, uh, there'll be, uh, there'll be uh, the first three and a half years will be even the gospel will be preached, Revelation chapter 7, by 144 saved Jewish evangelists. And thousands will be saved that's never heard the gospel. Now don't you wait to that time because you've heard the gospel. Revelation 7, 13 through 17. And then the abomination of desolation, which is described, excuse me, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And there'll be a fulfillment of that day right in the middle of the tribulation where the Antichrist will expose himself as, the, as God. But he's not God, but he'll deceive many. And folks, I want you to know that the Antichrist will make a seven-year treaty with Israel. He'll break that treaty after three and one-half years. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And the Antichrist will enter the temple in Jerusalem and declare himself to be God. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look at verse 1 through 4. You've been told, and I want to tell you something, they've been told, 2 Thessalonians, I wish I had time to go back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, but look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him, that you should not soon be shaken in mind. A lot of people are nervous today. Or be troubled, neither by uh, spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us as the days of Christ is at hand. Listen to this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's a rapture. And, and that, that the man of sin, listen to this, and that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is... God, that he is as God sitting in the temple of the God, showing himself that he is God. Anti-spirit, uh, an anti-Christ. And there's many anti-Christ today. There's many anti-spirit. Folks, we live in a day that's post-Christian era. It used to be popular to preach the gospel. It used to be exci exciting to have Bible study in, in schools. And it used to be exciting to have uh, somebody pray before Congress. Now it's anti-Christ post-Christian era in one of the greatest nations, I believe the greatest nation on this earth, and that's America. And so folks, Antichrist in the holies of holies, Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. And Revelation chapter 13, turn with me there. Let's get into Revelation, and I'll go through the whole book in 20 minutes. You can take that off now. That was a good introduction, Brother Joel. But look at this, uh, Revelation chapter 13. I want you to look at your Bible. Revelation chapter 13. You've heard of the mark of the beast, 666. Well, here it is. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through 15. The Bible says this in Revelation 13, 11 through uh, 13. I'll be there in just a minute. Pray for me. 
And I beheld another beast coming up of the earth and, and had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon and he exercised all power of the first beast before him caused the earth and them that would dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he looks, works signs and wonders and heals people. And he, and he doth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven. Listen, on the earth in the sight of men. This is right in the middle of the tribulation. And it says, And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, uh, those miracles which he had power to do it, in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, and, that that, and, and had the wound by the sword, and did live. And he had power to give life into the image of the beast. Here's a miracle. There's an image in the temple now, right in the middle of it, and he brings life to it. Some people say it's a computer. No, it's a, it's a false miracle. Listen, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be, should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark on their right hand or on their forehand, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the mark of the name of the beast or the number of the name. Here is wisdom. Listen. Let him that hath understanding count the numbers of the beast. For it is a number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Six, six, six. So in the middle of the tribulation, there's going to be a man that says, I'm God, I'm controlling the economy, I've got a miracle here that I'm making this image come alive, and there's going to be many people deceived and follow the false prophet. And folks, I'm going to tell you something, the only way you'll deny that antichrist is give your life. But you've never heard the gospel, you can get saved. If you've heard the gospel, you're going to believe that delusion. You're going to believe that miracle. Why wouldn't you? All of a sudden, the image starts talking. You know, an image starts coming alive. A, a statue comes alive right in the middle of the temple. And so I want to say this, friend. If you never listen to the truth, listen to it now. And get saved now. Because now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And Christians, stop playing around and start praying and live for God because, folks, we're in a warfare and the days are coming soon. We ought to get excited about the Lord. We ought to be militant about our prayer life. We ought to be faithful to God and His Word and stop being half-hearted. Say amen. amen. Folks, in these last days, one of the signs of the time is a lukewarm church. Not only an antichrist spirit, all over the world, but in the church there'll be a lukewarmness where people just sort of get settled in and sometimes they're deceived by religion or by fantasy, by uh, fascination or by deadness. So just be, the Lord Jesus will return for his people. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And I go to prepare a place for you, I will Come again unto you and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Thomas said, we know not where thou goest, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Right. And you say, that's a little narrow-minded. Yes, I am narrow-minded. I'm so narrow-minded, a mosquito could land on my nose and kick both eyeballs out as far as the Word of God's concerned. Say amen. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I hope that mosquito bites me. He flies off saying, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood, amen, will cleanse a sinner, amen. Thank the Lord that Jesus is coming soon. 
Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 9 through 11, he rebukes the, uh, the disciples for gazing and grazing and says, won't you get going? It's the same way I went up, I'm coming back. And folks, he's coming back. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, we'll be caught up. That's where we get the word rapture. It's not in the Bible, but caught up's in the Bible. That means caught up. And it says, the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But I'll tell you what's comforting is no, you're not going to go through the next seven years or the next three and a half after the three and a half false peace and then the abomination of desolation. You said you get all that out of verse 14. Yeah, because that's the book of Daniel. Amen. The abomination of desolation has, has, is going to be fulfilled right in the middle of the tribulation. But I want to give you real quick, and I want to sum this up in about seven to ten minutes maybe a little longer. I want, I, want to, I want to give you the warnings of sorrow. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, For in those days shall the affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created in this time, neither shall be. He said this is going to be worse than it's ever been. Some people say, oh, I think we're in the tribulation now. You've got to be kidding. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm going to describe the tribulation minute. If you've ever seen a day like that, you just wake up because the trump of judgments and the vow of judgments, not only the seal judgments, is found in Revelation 6 through 18. By the way, Revelation 4.1 says, Come up hither. That's the rapture of the church. You'll not see the church mentioned. Not one time will you see the church mentioned in chapter 6 through 18. Amen. You know why? We're not there. You'll be there if you're lost. But I want to tell you something. I'm not going to be there. I'm out of here. He's coming soon. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, in a twinkling of an eye, General Electric uh, uh, did some kind of research. I don't know why they were so bored to do this. They said a twinkling of an eye is one ten thousandth of a second. Blink your eye. That's how quick the rapture is going to take place. No getting ready. No repenting. No getting to the altar. I mean, when the rapture takes place, you're gone in a twinkling of an eye. But what's going to happen? Well, three and a half years false prophet then right in the middle of it, abomination of desolation is described. And then it says the worst affliction from the beginning of creation. God even uses creation to bring judgment upon the earth. I want you to just scan chapter 8 of Revelation, chapter 9, chapter 10, and on through 16. Just scan it. I ain't got time to read it all or y'all would be here all day and uh, our visitors would never return. And some of y'all would never return. Amen. If I went to 2 o'clock. But I could. If I could hold out, I think I could. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter 8, the first trumpet judgment. The first trumpet judgment. Revelation chapter 8. And I'm just going to go over this, verse 7. And I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to let you look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. You with me now? Get your Bibles. Amen. We're not palm readers. We're Bible readers. Say amen. You ought to listen to this message like you believe the trump of God could sound at 1215. Amen. I ought to preach it like it. I'm trying my best to get all the energy I can. I'm a little dehydrated this morning, but I am trying to give you everything I got. You know why? Because I believe that the trumpet could sound at 1215 or 12.30. There's no prophecy left to be fulfilled, Brother Nathan, for the rapture. You believe that, Brother? Praise God. Amen. I know you do. That's why you're sitting front and center. But listen, the first trumpet, one-third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth is going to be destroyed. Look at... Verse 7, 
The first angel sounded, and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood that was cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. You think it's hot today. You wait till uh, this angel sounds a trumpet of judgment, and folks, fire and hell mingled with blood starts falling from this earth. Now, folks, this is not some Hollywood production. Get your mind out of Walt Disney. Uh, stop thinking about the Lion King for a second and realize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming, and this is God's Word. This is not some Hollywood production. Say so, amen. So the first trumpet, one third of, and then the second trumpet, verses 8 through 9. One-third of the ocean becomes blood. One-third of, of life in the sea is destroyed. One-third of the world's shipping is destroyed. And the third trumpet, Revelation chapter 8, verse 10 through 11, perhaps refers to the, um, a meteor that falls uh, into the water supply. One-third of the fresh water of the world, the poison, the water, and many people perish in this plague. The fourth trumpet, uh, chapter 8, verse 12. Look at it, just glance at it. Some events take place in heaven and the sunlight is diminished by one-third. It's bad when the sun won't shine. But also one-third of the light and the other heavenly bodies are destroyed. And then the fifth, um, uh, the fifth trumpet, Revelation 9, 1 through 12. The earth is invaded by an army of demons. Look at it. The fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven and the earth and to him... Give the, uh, given the key of the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and there rose smoke out of the pit and the smoke of the great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them given power as scorpions on the earth have power and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the, the grass of the earth uh, most of it was burnt up neither any green thing only two thirds is left neither any tree but on those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead and to them it is given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was the torment of scorpions when they strike a man. They say that being bit by a scorpion, some of y'all been bit by a scorpion, I can tell by the way you're looking at me. But uh, I, want to tell you, I want to tell you something, it is painful. You swell up five times uh, your normal size and it is excruciating pain. And folks, the, the, the fifth trumpet is an invasion from the army of hell. Demons from the pit of hell. I didn't make this up. This is God's word. Say amen. amen. And then folks, the, the, these demons have power to torment men for five months. And death takes a holiday. They, can't, they, they beg to die. The pain so intense that men will want to die, but they will be unable to achieve death. Folks, even attempt at suicide will fail because of the torment. Then the sixth judgment found in verse 13 through 21, a demonic invasion uh, of, um, of army, the numbers is 200 million. The results of the invasion will be one-third of human population will be destroyed. That's going to happen. I'm not going to be around. Lost people are going to be around. I don't want anybody to be around. I wanna, that's, why, that's why Connie and I were out knocking on doors on the rain yesterday. I believe, folks, that Jesus is coming soon, and we need to warn people. I tried to witness to a fellow that attended last Sunday, tried to give him the plan of salvation, because, folks, I believe the rapture could take place last night. Amen. Or I'm just going to go to the house, rock in a chair, and retire. But I want to refire, because one soul's worth it all, say amen. amen. And so, folks, the seventh judgment is found in Revelation chapter 11, Verse 15 through 19. I wish I could go over all of it. 
But the trumpet announced the soon return of the Lord and introduces a vile or a bold judgment. And then these bold judgments starts in chapter 16. Remember what I said? Revelation 4 through 18, you'll never see the word church mentioned. Come up hither. Rapture. Praise God for that. And then Revelation 19, Jesus comes back and touches this earth. The first time he doesn't touch the earth, he just calls us up. That's called the rapture. But I want to give you the vow judgments, then we'll close. He said, I hope you will. I don't like this. I don't like this either, but praise God, you've got to preach it. Amen? That's right. So this is like going to a doctor or a dentist. I know it is, but praise God, I don't want you to die in your sins. I don't want you to get uh, 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 backslidden in your last days, Whitfield Baptist Church. I don't want you to settle in. I don't want to settle in. I don't want to relax when there's people dying and going to hell and going to go through this tribulation. We need to get excited. We need to get fervent. And we need to be disciplined in our Christian life. Say amen. amen. We're called as soldiers of the Lord to take the word of God and warn people. The first vow is found in Revelation chapter 16, verse 2. Look at it real quick. And the first went out and poured out his vow upon the earth. There fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men which had the mark of the beast, uh, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. There they are, worshiping that image after that abomination of desolation. They take receive the mark of the beast so they can buy and sell. You get hungry, you do some crazy things, amen. And the mark of the beast is six, six, six. Not the number six, 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 but it's six, 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 18 numbers. My number's two, five, eight, eight, six, none of your business. I gave that the other day online. Bro, that was really brilliant. Don't give your social security card number to no one. Say amen. You'll get attacked or you'll get your identity stolen. And so I, I uh, Brother uh, Cody started shaking his head one time and said, oh, don't do that, don't do that because it's going on the air all over the world. So mine's 25886. And then they're going to add some six more numbers and eight more numbers and eight more numbers. They're going to be able to locate me, but I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to locate me. I'm up there. I'm in heaven. I'm with the Lord. I'm in the Lord's army. Say amen. I'm not, I don't, I'm not receiving the mark of the beast. I'm going, to be, I'm, I'm going to be out of here in a twinkling of an eye. The second vial, verse 3, the waters of the sea, the, some kind of vile cancer sore is poured out on mankind. In verse 2, you think the Lord might be preparing us? How many of you know somebody with cancer? How many of you know somebody with malignant disease without cure? It's all over the place. It's everywhere. And folks, I want to tell you something. In Revelation 16, 2, there's going to be some kind of outpouring of this. Then the second vow, Revelation 16, 3, the waters of the sea are turned to blood and every creature in the sea dies. Third vow, Revelation 16, 4 through 7, the fresh waters of the earth are turned to blood. It's going to be a horrendous time. It's going to be a horrible time. It's on the horizon, folks. Get ready to go. If you have loved ones that are... Not saved, witness to them. The fourth vow, Revelation 16, 8 through 9. The sun heat is intensified. Men's bodies are burned by the heat of the sun. Yet with all these tor torments, the Bible says in verse 9, they will not repent. They've been scorched with great heat and blaspheme the name of God, which has power over these plagues. But they repented not to give him glory. That's why you ought to get saved for God's glory. That's why you ought to live for God, for God's glory. That's why you ought to witness for God's glory. That's why you ought to attend church and act like you're halfway interested, for God's glory, say amen. To be faithful for God's glory. It's not for some man's glory. It's for God's glory. He's coming, and he spared you because he took your hell for you. 
He took your tribulation for you. You talk about giving. I used to be shy about that when I was a young preacher. Talk about tithing and giving. It's only your reasonable service, praise God. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a breath. You wouldn't have a heartbeat. And you definitely wouldn't be saved and missing all this. Amen. We owe him everything. 10%. You give a waitress more than that. Come on. Say amen right there. Third vow, the fresh waters of the earth are turned to blood. Fourth vow, the sun's heat's intensified and they still blaspheme. The fifth vow, verse 10, chapter 16. You looking at it? The plague brings darkness, intensifies pain to the inhabitants of the earth. Again, so intense that they gnaw their tongues in their pain and they refuse to repent. You ever gnawed your tongue in pain? Well, I tell you what, I grit my, I grit my teeth when I have a shot. Amen. I'm, a, I'm, I'm really a, I'm a macho man, man. I go have a shot. Uh, I, 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 oh, goodness, you know, I don't want that shot. Amen. I remember one time I had a blood test and, and I hadn't ate all day and, and they took that blood and I looked at it and passed out. It was embarrassing because all my fellow employees on this, on this thing saw me hit the floor. And I, I mean, I, I don't I worry about somebody else's blood. It's my own blood that gets me passing out. Amen? But I want to tell you something. In that day, it ain't going to be no laughing matter. So I'm going to be a little shot. It's going to be intensified, torturous, horrendous, horrible pain on this earth. The sun's heat intensifies. Men's bodies are burned by the heat. The fifth vow, verse 10, the plague brings darkness. So intense, they gnaw their tongues in their pain. Sixth vow, verse 12 through 14, Euphrates rivers dried up, preparing a pathway to the nation of the earth to descend upon Israel for the final battle of Armageddon. Iran, always going to be in the news. Iraq, always going to be in the news. Because I'm going to tell you something, there's a river that runs through there called the Euphrates. God's going to dry it up. And all the armies of the world are going to start coming down upon little old Israel. Why is it Israel's always the target? It's prophecy fulfilled. But praise God, right in the middle of that war, there's going, to be a, there's going to be a great nation of armies, not from USA, not from Russia, not from China. They're all involved in torturing Israel going to be from above. We're going to be in the army. We're going to come, Revelation 19, riding on white horses, and he's going to speak one word, one word, and that war is going to be over. One word, God's going to destroy the whole, everybody that goes against Israel. And folks, when you see the Euphrates River in the Bible, take note, that's right in the middle of Iran and Iraq. Now look at the seventh vow, and I'll close. Verse 17 through 21, the vow brings with a terrible cataclysmic judgment on this earth through an earthquake. Of such magnitude, the islands of the sea sink and the mountains of the earth fall down. And folks, there'll be a hailstone. Verse 21, it says, And there fell upon a man great hell out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. You know what a talent is in biblical language? 125 pounds. I've been in some big hailstones in my life. Hailstorms. I'll never forget one time I was visiting down in Resaca. I just got my crown vic from the church for my 25th anniversary, I think it was, and it started hailing. I said, oh my goodness, I ain't going to let God's car get no bumps or no dents in it. 
And so I started looking for a place to shelter. I saw a chicken house. And praise God, I drove up in that chicken house. The farmer shot me, but I survived. Amen. No. And I'll tell you what, I was getting out of that hellstone. Why? It was just about this big. Look, it was about, about this big. Well, I want you to picture a 125-pound hellstone hitting this earth. Ain't going to be no chicken houses then. Ain't going to be no shelter then. And folks, it's going to be bombarding this earth. And folks, I'm going to tell you, people are going to be crying out, but it'll be too late. That is the, that is the seventh vow judgment, bowl of wrath of God. You say, why would God be doing all this? Folks, I'll tell you why. Because these unspeakable horrors and trials are because a world has rejected him and he warned them. And hell's going to be worse than this. It's going to be forever and ever and ever. So during the tribulation, in closing, one half of the world's population will die from starvation, disease, and war. The wrath from heaven and demons from hell will assault the inhabitants of the earth. It will be a time of unimaginable horror, suffering, pain, and death. And folks, the Bible says in verse 20 that God allowed this. And folks, God in His mercy though, look it back in our text now and I'll close. The Bible says in verse 20, And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should to be saved, but for the elect's sake. Now listen, He hath chosen, He hath shortened the days. Folks, God shortened those days for the elect's sake. And that's those that's been saved by the 144,000 preaching. And He said He had to shorten those days or none of them would have lived. Many will pay for their faith with their lies, but a remnant will be spared. Folks, there'll be a millennial kingdom, a thousand years of perfect peace. The lion will lay with the lamb, Revelation chapter 20. But I want to tell you something, friend. At the end of this tribulation, Revelation 19 takes place. And the clouds open and we come with him. And folks, we come with him and he, he, he has a name written on his vesture. And folks, he has, the, he has a name that no man can name. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19... That uh, folks, he says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and clean. That's a picture of our righteousness in him, not our self-righteousness. Now of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that which is, should smite the nations, and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress with the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Now listen to verse 16. And he hath on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Folks, he's King of Kings and he's Lord of Lords. But I want to ask you a question. Is he your King? Is he your Lord? Before he can be your King and he, before he can be your Lord, he has to be your Savior. And folks, the Bible says that we can flee from the wrath to come. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Amen? Look, at verse eight, look at verse 36 of chapter 3. It says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall 
not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on us. You've been warned. I've been warned. On the night that I got saved, I was a 11 and a half year old. My daddy was an alcoholic. I didn't have anything to offer anybody or anyone. And I found out that Jesus took my hell. And, and a preacher preached for 45 minutes on hell. And I walked that aisle and I came down this altar. And Jesus saved me because he took my hell. He took my wrath. He took my sin debt that I could never pay. I didn't have anything to offer God. I had nothing to offer God. But he offered me his only son. And he offered me a pardon. And he offered me peace. And he offered me power. And he offered me a plan for my life and a purpose for my life. And I thank God for the day that I got saved. And the Bible says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And folks, we'll not, will not experience the wrath of God because he took your wrath for you. He took your rap for you. I preach a lot in the YDC. Uh, 36 years I've been preaching there. I had a little old boy from Athens, Georgia get saved this past Tuesday. He wasn't a little boy, he was about six foot four, 16 years of age, locked up, but God got his attention. And I gave the illustration, as I often do, that one day the judge sentenced you to death for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And that judge said, I sentenced you to death, and all of a sudden he took off his robe. He took off that robe and he came down and he stood beside him and he says, but I want to take your death for you. I asked those young guys in that jail and those young ladies, I said, how many of you would say, no, no, judge, I deserve this. I'm just going to go ahead and go to the execution that I deserve. No, every one of you would say, okay, judge, I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. But if you want to take my death, please do. And you walked out of that courtroom free. Well, that's exactly what happened when Jesus paid it all. The judge of judge, the king of kings, the Lord of lords came to this earth, born in a manger, 33 years, died on the cross, and when he took your rap, he said, I pay it all. It is finished. And three days later, thank God, hallelujah, up from the grave he arose. And that receded everything he said and did that was right and relevant, and thank God it was righteousness on your part, and all you have to do is receive. You'll go to heaven instead of hell. You'll go up in the rapture instead of going through seven years of tribulation. And you won't experience darkness and pain and agony the rest of your life. Praise God, you'll get saved. You'll start life abundant now. Say amen. And you'll go to heaven instead of hell. What a Savior. I don't know about you, church, but I want to serve him when I don't feel like it, like this morning. I won't be faithful when I could stay in the bed this morning. I won't go out and knock on doors because that's the way this church started 42 years ago because there's people behind every door with a broken heart and they need to be saved. Folks, I want to be faithful. How about you? But I'm glad I'm saved.